Praise God. I just want to welcome everybody, those of you who are with us online on Facebook and I guess YouTube later and everywhere else you can pick us up. Uh, it is a blessing and a privilege to have you here with us today. I'm just going to locate something really quickly here. Excuse me. And then we'll open in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We magnify you. We lift you up, Lord, and we praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord, for assembling us here together to hear your word. I thank you, Lord, that your that heaven is never shut down. It's never closed. Heaven is always open to us. Even though we might have restrictions from our government on our assembly, heaven is always open. And we thank you that you've made a way for us to experience your word, your spirit, your goodness, and your love. We bless our Detroit congregation today. We thank you, Lord, for keeping them together, keeping keeping them committed to you and strong in you. So, Lord, we love you and we honor you for giving us everything that we need in spite of circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So the, the Lord says that he's still full of faith for us to re- assemble and to receive from him. So if he's full of faith, then we're recipients of it. So amen. So it's always good. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about the ABCs of faith. Yeah, ABCs of faith. I uh, stole that from Brother Hagen. I, uh, <clears throat> the late Kenneth E. Hagen and senior. And so, <clears throat> Very, very thankful uh, that he dedicated his life to studying faith the way God ordained him to do. This wasn't something that he just thought up would be a good idea, you know, which some people do in ministry and and hopefully God honors it or whatever or shows them a better way. But uh, he did dedicate his life to <clears throat> understanding how to uh, preach and teach people faith. And uh, he was so faithful to it. Um, he gives testimony very often about how he got started in uh, uh, praying for the sick and ministering uh, health to people. And uh, he said that he was early in his ministry. He said, my churches weren't very large. And he said, I could go by and if there were sick people in the congregation, I would go and spend three or four hours with them reading them the Bible on 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 uh, on faith and on healing. He said, and I never failed to get anybody healed that was sick, no matter what they had. And so that's that's such a wonderful legacy for us as believers. And I still often refer people back to his teachings if they are stuck somewhere and I'll send them one of his uh, teachings that and we're so thankful. They have so many of them free of charge on the Internet. And uh, if you want to own any of them, you can always uh, purchase them from his ministry. Um, that's not a plug, but that's not a, not a plug. You know, it's just a, a reference. And I often use his teachings when I want to go back to a good foundation because he's a good fundamental teacher, you know, where you get it from. The first first brick to the next brick to the next brick until you can build your your temple or build your house on his on the revelation that God has given him. And and it's always best to follow in the Bible whenever you have anybody teaching you, you follow along with them in the word 
so that you get an understanding and get those scriptures in context. Because there are so many people that jump around and give you a fragment here and a fragment there and they try to put it together and make revelation. But God rightly divides his word. Amen. He's the one who helps you to rightly divide it. And that's what we're endeavoring to do. So um, uh, the ABCs of faith starts out with answering the question, what faith is. So we have to <laughs> have to go back to the basics and find out what faith is. There are many people who feel that their faith is fully engaged and, and they just hear a scripture one time, you know. Uh, that gets you to at least give a nod to it, but, but to really make that a part of you, that's what the quest for faith is all about. So that when situations come up, uh, you still hold on to what you're believing in. When contrary thoughts come to your head, you continue to hold on to what you're, you're believing God for. And so faith then becomes not just a word or a commodity, but I would say it becomes an experience as well. Amen. Uh, there's there's a definition faith that you can commit to your brain, but there's an experience in faith, which is where we want to live. The Bible says the just shall live by the experience of faith. I'll just put it that way. And so it's it's faith that's real, faith that's tangible, and faith that's active, and faith that is producing is what we want to want want to talk about, and what we are thinking about when we think about uh, what is faith is not just a definition you roll off, but it also becomes an active ingredient in our lives so that's what we want this is why we study people in the bible we study people like abraham who the bible says believed god and it was counted as righteousness now what's the difference between abraham and us Now, there is a difference because we're under two different covenants. So for him, it was accounted to him as righteousness. For us, it's imputed. Okay. So when it's accounted to you as righteousness, it's something that's added to your account. It's a notation under your name. So if I, if I, if Brianna goes to the bank and she has a little bank book and, uh, they say, oh, you're making a deposit, we'll add it to your account. Until she spends it, it's not an experience, is it? Okay. So it's just under her name. She has access to it. She'll get the benefits of it. But it's in a place where she can access it, but she doesn't have access to it all the time. When faith is imputed to you, you wear it. It has You have access to it all the time. There's something in you that's different now. Amen? It's imputed. What you looking at back there, little girl? Praise God. Maybe need to. 
get yourself engaged, okay, honey? Yeah, because uh, your your amens are a little okay, but they're a little off. I can always I can always tell. Now that's just in me to be able to tell these things. So I'm not gonna do. I didn't mean to embarrass you. I'm not gonna do that again. But uh yeah, but stay engaged because when you're close to the minister, you have to stay engaged, or we pick it up, you pull us off. So yeah, it's just that way. That's that's how the anointing operates. That's how I can preach to what you need. Cause I feel you. <laughs> you know, and it's supposed to work that way. Or you're not engaged, I feel that too. Amen. So no cheating behind my back, okay? Like they used to say, my mama got eyes in the back of her head. Yeah, I got more than I got the Holy Ghost in mine. So praise God. So we all good back there? All right. Get yourself a piece of paper now. Amen. Yeah, start writing down. So, yeah, shut that off. So, amen. Praise God. So, anyway, <clears throat> faith then becomes a working substance in our lives. When it's imputed to you, you have all of it right then and right there. So, it's not just in your account. See, this is this is the difference between Old and New Testament. It was added to his account. So it was counted for him as righteousness. The fact that he believed God, that faith translated into right standing before God. So Abraham stood righteous before God because as long as he continued to believe God, he walked in that level of righteousness. God would add to his account at different times. When we believe God, we have the potential for everything all at one time. So that's why your faith makes you feel a certain way. You can sense it because there's substance to it and there's evidence to it. So it's a totally different faith experience, folks. You know, of this is you get it imputed because we're born again. You have the new birth. So you have the Holy Spirit living in you and you have everything that he is. The day you're born again, you have everything that God is. The Bible says in us all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Then after you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he begins to open up different aspects of his character to us. So. Even though he came in in a package, you didn't have access to certain doors because you didn't have the full experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now that you are, you have access to gifts. You have access to ministry. You have access to words and and preaching and all of that that you didn't have before. You now have access to that. Amen. Because of the, the gift that you have received is opened up to you all these treasures that were in there dormant, but you couldn't get at them. You know, that's the the argument and the controversy about people who are saved and not praying tongues versus people praying tongues and all that kind of stuff is is the access. You know, why would you want to think you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and not have access to? It's like me saying, uh, I got a bank book, you got money in the bank, but you can't get to it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is your, you can get to it now. 
You can get to the power. You can get to the wisdom, the knowledge, the whatever you need. You keep praying in tongues long enough. The problem is people don't pray long enough to get really any change or anything. A little bit here, a little bit there. You stay with that as long as God wants to take you into the different realms of the spirit and see what you come out with. You come out with something totally different. Amen. And so as you you use your faith for the things that God has for you, that faith will will tend to give evidence to things that are not seen. See, for instance, the, when you lack knowledge, if you lack knowledge about something, there's knowledge in you by the gift of the Holy Ghost. But you got to kind of like prime the pump, dig for it, pray in tongues, expand and edify. Praying in the Holy Ghost builds up your spirit. So then your spirit man grows up and matures to knowledge. So that's where the word of knowledge comes from. You know, I'll see people that say, well, I want the gifts to operate. I say, well, they're in there. You just got to learn how to get at them. <laughs> you know, just keep keep at it till you get at them. Amen. Just just keep at it because they're there. They'll never operate if you don't put a demand on your spirit, man, to go searching and find them. But they're there. Amen. And they operate according to the proportion of your faith. So if you got faith enough to keep praying in the Holy Ghost till God shows you something, reveals something to you, then just keep at it. Amen. Because they're there. They're in there. And they do operate as the Spirit will, so you can't just make them appear. But you get yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do and start praying and cooperating with the Holy Ghost, and he'll show up every single time. Show up every single time. He says he's our helper. Amen. He will never leave us, never forsake us. He is our helper. So this is what we want. We want help from him. Amen. That's what he's there for. And and you put a demand on his help by praying. That's how you communicate. That's how you contact God. You got to pray in his language. Amen. Oh, you didn't think you were going to get saved and use the same old language you've been using all these years. He's got everything new for us. He does. You know, the Bible says that we have been translated. Now, why do you think God uses that term? He's got a new language for us. So so we're not transported, we're translated. So if you talk to God in his own language, you find out you're speaking the way he speaks. You speak heaven talk. You come into heaven's realm. You bypass the devil and your natural knowledge. So that's your private way of communicating between you and the Lord. It just is. And so when when we think about all the things that God has, I mean, imagine what he has done and perfected everything that we, the Holy Ghost is the perfecter of everything. You don't ever have to worry about how am I going to do this or what am I going to do or you don't have to try and come up with all your own answers. 
out of your own brain? Sometimes the Bible says in Romans 8.28, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings and cannot be uttered. Sometimes there are groanings within you that you can't even hear. But often when you put the petition there, it is in the Holy Spirit. In his language, he groans through us. He intercedes through us in a language that we don't know how to interpret unless he gives us the interpretation. I mean, God has thought of everything, folks. And all we have to do is operate these things in faith. Just do these operations in faith. The Bible says pray in the Holy Ghost, so do it. You don't have to try and figure out what you're going to get out of it before you even pray one syllable. Just do it by faith. Faith means I do it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll do these operations. But we've been translated into his kingdom. We come into the kingdom by a new language. One that you can't make up. One that comes from heaven. And one that heaven, only heaven honors. Hell can't understand it. You can't understand it. Just you and God. Amen. What could be better? You don't have to worry about anybody messing up your prayers. Or, you know what I'm saying? Knowing what you're praying about. Like I'll see people on Facebook and say, well, God knows it's an honor. Well, if you want to do that, get your own prayer group together and go through like that. But if you want a real answer, we have to know what we're praying for. You know, other than that, you pray in the Holy Ghost by yourself. It's that big a secret. God will help you. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes their answer of peace will come if they let somebody know what's troubling them. You know, somebody will put a scripture on there. And you say, oh, wow, I never thought about that one before. You understand what I'm saying? So so it's just that way. But we don't have to be concerned about exposing ourselves by what we desire. Never be ashamed of what you're asking God for. Amen. I I I, I fully understand that people aren't discreet on Facebook. So get off there. You want to make a discreet prayer. Ask God to give you the name of somebody you can trust, you know, or learn to cultivate a relationship, spiritual relationship. So and there's plenty of ministries that tell you to call us if you need prayer, you know, get off Facebook with that kind of stuff and, and just allow God to help you the way he wants to help you. But there is help for us uh, through our own efforts, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just praying God's word and praying by the spirit. So so that's a help to us. It's always a help to us, that that type of prayer. So we were saying what faith is. I don't know why, why where did I go with that one? I'm not sure what kind of tangent I went off on that one. But um, our, my thing is what faith is. Amen. So we're going to talk about what it is. The King James definition, Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. Amen. So it says here, there are two important words, what I pick out of this. One is substance, and the other one is evidence. Amen. So I'm going to look up substance. I, I keep a, there's a strong concordance hooked up to this Bible. So I'm going to look real quick since they're both numbered so I can give you the Strong's definition of what substance is. Where are we? New Testament, right? 5287. My eyes are healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Okay, it says a setting under 5287. Let me make sure I got my numbers right. Oh, yeah, like I said, 5287, that's for substance. Or is that 67, 87? Okay, 5287. Lord, help me. This is going to be quick, fast, and dirty. It And it says here, confidence. And, and it also means assurance. Amen. Amen. So it's a combination of, of two Greek words here. And it means a setting under. So faith really is, is, um, it gives validation, credence, or, uh, materiality to something. In other words, when you're in faith, this should be more real to you after you've applied your faith than it was before. So faith really gives a reality to what it is that you hope for. You have to have your heart set on something first before faith can be applied to it. You just don't go using your faith and shooting it out there in the nowhere land. God's not playing around. He wants you to understand that your faith needs to be focused on something you desire. Other than that, you're trying to put him to a foolish test to see if something's going to show up. If you say you believe, see what will show up that's not faith. you got to nail it down. you got to really want something. When you deal with God. Amen. And this is why many times people don't have very much. I remember in the early days of of my church experience after being saved. I remember praying with a family. And um, they were always struggling financially. And so I just, you know, went by to see how... The woman was doing this was during the middle of the week and I just went by and wanted to pray with her. And so I asked her, I said, what is it that you need from God? You know, because I'm trying to do the, the faith thing. Well, whatever he has. And I said, well, it can't really work like that. I said, because we got to pray the word. I said, there's got to be. Is there anything? You know, I I'm almost fell out with that woman. I had to just stop it because I was getting in the flesh after a while. You understand what I'm saying? Whatever God said, whatever you could see, she was ashamed to even say what she wanted from God. As many needs as they had, and they were legitimate needs, God would have given to her in a heartbeat. 
but she was too ashamed to confess what it was that she needed in her life. And I said, the minute we pray, it's yours. You know, it's not like you're going to walk around in lack forever and have something to be ashamed about. I said, you know, the minute we pray and agree, it's yours, you know. Well, you know, whatever God says, whatever God, you know, and it's just, it, it don't work like that. That's all I said that to say. <laughs> that is not how to work the word and how to work your faith. So, so the other, the other word here also is evidence. Okay. So substance means it gives weight, materiality to it. Substance makes it real. Evidence. 1650. Let me find that one. Remind me to get a bigger concordance next time. 16. No, I'm good. 16. It's all good. 1650. Okay. And this says proof. See? Evidence is proof. Conviction. Reproof. So what that means is reproof means it can be backed up. So if it's ever challenged, you can say, oh, no, I'm devil, I'm believing God. Huh? So proof and reproof. Amen. So it's a conviction that can win an argument. So when your faith is challenged by circumstances, that faith stands there and tells the circumstances to move. It argues your case for you. Your faith does. Amen. So when it's real and and what we find happening is often the enemy will try to move us off of our position of faith, doesn't he? He'll bring some of the most challenging circumstances before us to see if he can move us from our position. Amen. Move us away from conviction. Move us away from our victory. Move us away from what we believed. Many times we'll start out, you know, really, really well. I remember the back in the early years I was praying for my husband's salvation. And the Lord told me one day, he said, now he's sanctified by your salvation. And, and he said, I can get, can get him to cooperate with what I want you to do. In ministry, that was what I was concerned about. You know, I said, Lord, I, this man doesn't have no idea about what ministry is or anything like that. He said, don't worry about that. He said, I'll, I'll talk to him. He said, you don't have to say anything to him. Of course, I didn't listen, but eventually I did. I got the hang of it. Amen. But, uh, and I never had a problem, anything. In fact, he was better at hospitality sometimes than I was. Amen. Anybody who was with us in the early days, some Miss Nola, you were there with Chuck. With Miss Donna was there. Remember, they take y'all bring the bus up to my house, and everybody would stay at my house, and he was so happy. He's just, well, who else is coming? Who else is coming? You know, he got a reputation in the neighborhood. We had a neighbor that watched everything, and he said, "Man, I've been watching you and." Man, I never seen nobody bust a party in before. But he's got Ministry of the Watchmen on the side of the, you know, if stand upon my watch, you know it's a church bus. And he think we bust a party in there, you know. 
So he'd get around and brag with the, ah, yeah, yeah, no, he gets my wife, she preaches, and yeah. Too much. But I was thankful, see, because I'd heard all kinds of horror stories, and I think most of them were exaggerated, you know. People just want to embellish the bad, you know. God would never call you at something to make it a stressful thing for you. Or to cause it to upset a family. Or to see it fail because you you didn't have somebody's permission to do something. Does that sound like God to you? God told me once, he said, I didn't ask his permission to save you. I don't have to ask his permission for nothing else. I said, oh, okay. Yes. That's the kind of God I serve. Told y'all what I tell you. Ha, 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 ha. What I tell you, talking about him. Poor husband didn't stand a chance after that. But I, I learned how to, to take on the, the beauty of meekness. See, that's, you want meekness and dignity in what you're doing for God. You know, you don't want to look like you had a cat fight before you got out of the house. You know, all that kind of stuff. And so, so, so God worked everything out, you know, but faith will do that for you. See, when you put your faith in something, when you put your faith in God, there's that evidence, there's the substance, and there's reproof. When, when the enemy come, when your own mind comes against what God just told you he's going to do for you, the fact that there's proof and reproof. See, faith argues for you. You don't have to argue with anybody. Are you kidding me? You just stand on what God told you. Now, it's not that I was not always confident in it. I, You know, I'd fail at some things, but thank God faith wouldn't let me stay down. He said, you better get up. And I've heard had God say that to me several times. He said, you better get up from there. He said, if you don't get up now, he said, the devil will gain on you. He said, you cut this out. I said, okay. Jesus, I thank you. You love me so much. You make me get up and do what I don't want to do. You know, that kind of stuff. But, but, but God did miracles for us. Early days are always the toughest days when you do anything. Seems like everything and everybody's against you. Amen. You're running to the worst religious devils you ever want to tangle with in life. And you'll, you'll be standing wanting to shrink back and cry. And God will just keep pushing you out there. You know, and I get flashbacks of my mother when I was a kid. If child, if a kid would chase me home. She'd push me right back out that door. She said, oh, no, you don't. You don't run from anybody. You don't run from anything. And she was there as a backup for us. She didn't make us face things totally alone. But as my mother, she had confidence. See, this is why God pushes us forward. It's confidence in us. We're not just trying something out. His faith has been tried. It's been tried every which way. It can be tried through hell, through fire, through starvation, fasting, everything through death, suffering, beatings, scourgings. 
humiliation. It, it, faith has been tried through all that. Amen. It still comes up victorious. So that's why faith continues to compel us to go forward. Anybody ever said, I'm going to quit. I'm gonna, I ain't going to do this no more. I don't want this anymore. Whatever that thing is you signed on for from day one still haunts you. Because you know it's still out there available. That substance of it is still speaking to us. I don't care what it is. You know, a lot of young people want to throw away their lives before they get 30 years old because so-and-so hasn't happened yet. Well, once you get in faith, you'll be on the road to it happening. The only reason they get discouraged because it hasn't happened, they, they're they not in touch with their faith anymore. you got to stay in touch with the substance, folks. How do we stay in touch with our faith? By continually thanking God for it. God, I thank you that I, I'm healed by your stripes. And you'll notice your anxiety goes away. Your fear goes away. Everything goes away just on being thankful. And you think how easy this is until you forget to do it for three or four days. And you're right back in that crazy place again. Amen. But we working on it, right? Everybody working on it. And that's all he asks us to do is to stay open to his leading. He's in charge of your faith. You ain't out here doing nothing. You ain't out here trying to be this and try. I'm trying to believe and trying to not you ain't just let it go and turn it over to him. Jesus, I thank you that you you started this and you're going to finish it. Amen. Even if I have to lose half of myself trying to hold on to everything. And you will. It changes us. Faith is supposed to change us from one glory to the next glory. Amen. A lot of times people want to retreat to the old glory. Huh? You know, we, we learn how to pray a prayer to get this month's rent and we don't want to move any further. You know how you move further? Next month's rent is threatened. You mean to tell? Yeah, I mean to tell you. Until God's convinced you got the hang of it. <laughs> See, you what you do is you pray that one month in, and you go. Then you want to tell, give your testimony fifteen times over and over again, and you wonder why you're in the same mess. Well, where did I mess up, God? How did I? How did I miss it? You ain't missed nothing. You just signed up. Oh, you think a one 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 shot prayer is gonna take care of your whole life? No, you little cheater. The just shall live by faith. Justified people live by faith and are glad to do it. Cheaters want the easy street. Ooh wee, I had to go deep to get that one. Just wait till next month. Honey, it's the first of the month 12 times a year. You might have to go super deep next time. Mm-hmm. Stay in a place of thanksgiving. It'll be easier for you. See, wiping the sweat off your brow is not thanksgiving. 
Well, what you thank him for, he'll give you more of. That's that's the purpose. Well, why should I want more challenges so your faith can be stronger? Apostle, whoever you are, calling yourself. Huh? They don't even know what that word means. I remember the day I looked, it's been many years ago. And, and the word, uh, it, it, part of the definition is warfare as described through the apostolic ministry, through the office of the apostle. I said, oh, really? Warfare? Yeah, it's the definition of apostle. Sent one to do warfare. Mm-hmm. And most people on there is just looking for a cash app. Huh? Apostle so and so, here's my cash app thing. The just shall not live by cash app. <laughs> so it's substance and it's evidence, it's proof and reproof. So your faith argues for you. Your faith will argue against unbelief on your behalf. It keeps unbelief at, at bay. It, it sub, submerges it under, submerges unbelief under itself. So you can look at faith as being the victory. The Bible calls it. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. So see your faith as standing on top of and holding up a fist over anything that's against it. If it's healing you desire, see your faith as standing triumphant over your symptoms, standing triumphant over your problems, standing triumphant. See that faith is standing up with its foot on its neck. Not allowing it to rise up against it anymore. So your faith has enough substance, evidence, voice, ability, and power in it to subdue everything when you put it in activation in your life. So leave your faith active in your life. How do we do it? Again, by Thanksgiving. It's so simple we keep forgetting it. Just thanking God for the fact that it's done. Thanking God for the fact that he heard your prayer. Thanking God for the fact that it's on the way. Thanking God for the fact that He he's, he's taking care of that for you. Always thanksgiving to God for who he is and what he's doing. Not for your new outfit. Huh? Not for your new pair of wisdom shoes or them devil Nikes they got out there. I ain't seen no Christians with them yet, but I don't, wouldn't surprise me. Huh? Try taking a picture of yourself on your knees, showing God some real thanksgiving. You know. Sometimes Thanksgiving comes, you're overwhelmed with it when you don't look so pretty. Sometimes you're, you're consumed with something 
to the point where you can't eat. And you don't want to get, you know, back in the Old Testament, then people had the right idea. It's called sackcloth and ashes. That's why I tell people a lot of times faith ain't pretty all the time. You know, you're not, you don't look like a runway model when you use your faith. Huh? Sometimes you're kind of dragged out. Sometimes you're tearful. Sometimes you got relief washing over you that God has signaled to you that it's done. Amen. Sometimes you haven't eaten for many days. Because you're consumed with the fact that God is in process of doing something with your faith. See, you, when you relinquish your faith to him, it will take you through many different changes. Huh? You have a loved one who's terminally ill. You're not going to be the picture of beauty every time and, and say thankful on there. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you're thankful in the secret place. In fact, most times you are. Amen? But but you want to get the job done by the Spirit. So faith is not always something you run around, glory, hallelujah, and everything's wonderful and looks wonderful. Sometimes it will take you to the doors of hell and back just to retrieve a soul or to retrieve a life so that they can have a day uh, pain-free because they're going through chemo or radiation. Um this is this is the changes that faith will take you into, folks. I'm just being honest with you now. You know, you want to get the job done, God will do it for you. But you're going to have to go along with him in this. See? You're going to have to. Amen. God will honor your humility. He won't leave you empty handed. You won't come out of this empty handed. But you're going to have to leave some trappings behind. It can't be about the superficial all the time. It's got to be about the deep sometimes. Amen. It's got to be about those things. So it's your faith begins to be your substance and your evidence to the extent that you don't experience a sense of lack until you get that thing. Now, God can give it to you any way you want it to have it, you know, but his preferred way is to keep your faith engaged in it so that you have peace about it every day. See, when your faith isn't engaged and you start indulging in doubt and unbelief and uncertainty, then your peace is disturbed. So God gives you faith, his faith, so you can keep the same attitude about it he has. And God's not worried about, you know, if we get a second stimmy, he'll he'll Bless you beyond that little thing. You understand what I'm saying? Don't leave that as the only way he can bless you. Amen. That's our money anyway. That ain't no new money. You want some new money coming. I know I do. So faith, we said, according to the King James translation, it is evidence of something hoped for. It says things. So faith covers anything. Amen. 
It will give you evidence of anything you're hoping for and of things not seen. Substance and evidence of things not seen. One of the other translations says here, okay, the Moffat, it says faith means we are confident. See, there's that other word. Confident. You know what confidence is? Not a care in the world. You're not second guessing whether you're going to get it. You're confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we don't see. So confidence and you're convinced that it's yours even though you don't see it. Amen. The uh, New English translation it says faith is giving substance so really what we can say is applying your faith once your faith is applied it gives substance to things hoped for i was thinking about this i said lord give substance he says it's like when you go in to buy them dollar store balloons, I don't know, nobody pays more than a dollar. If you pay more than a dollar for your balloons, you're paying too much. <laughs> but anyway, you know, the flat little mylar balloons, well, faith is the air that blows it up, gives it substance. You're not going to take it anywhere flat. It's got to be pumped up before. So faith pumps you up in your believing. It pumps it up to make it visible and real to you. Amen. So when it says here, it's giving substance to the things hoped for. So until you have substance of what you're hoping for, you've got to keep declaring your faith in it. Now, many times it gets substance right away and you have a peace about it. But then you go put your eyes on something else and it takes the air out of your little balloon. But you start thanking God for it, it gets pumped up again. Y'all with me on this here? Yeah. And so so when you and see, this is what happens when we think we don't believe anymore. You just let the air circumstances and put a pin, put a pin in your balloon. So you've taken your eyes off of the evidence, off of faith. And you got it on something that says it won't happen for you. That says for some reason you're disqualified. That says it, it this situation is so bad God can't fix it. Huh? But that's that's all that goes through our heads. But you stop yourself, say, God, no, wait a minute. I done got way over here where yesterday I was believing fine. What happened? You took your eyes off of it. You let the devil stick a pin in your balloon. So just pump it back up again. Amen. Just start thanking God for it. God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I took my eyes off of the fact that you already gave this to me. I put my my eyes on this fake evidence out here in the natural. And I'm going right back into believing you again. And it's shocking how quickly you will feel good about it. You feel the same way. Faith always, we always experience the substance and evidence the same way. You can go away from it for years 
And all of a sudden, it'll get quickened to you again. And God will show you, I'm still, this is still in the works for you. This is still, I still got it. Huh? I got you, in other words. My buddy, Lil Howard, would say. And I'll say, well, where is it? He's like, I got you. You know, I mean, God will show you stuff like that. You know, I'm one of them chicks that, you know, I'll pull a gun on you if I don't see it fast enough. You understand what I'm saying? I'm ready to pull the trigger on you, buddy. You don't promise me nothing and you don't show me something. So that's why God gives us immediate evidence. Because he knows somebody. He said, ooh, don't let me. Don't you get involved with other you Frisk you up one side and down the other. You'd be sorry you said I do. Uh huh. You'd be ready to say I don't. <laughs> Praise God. It's a good day for Poppy to be. Poppy, wherever you at, you got me? <laughs> Miss Donna's got me though. Amen. (laughs) So, faith is the process of believing and putting the faith of the Son of God into what you're hoping for. It's giving substance to the things you hope for. Makes them real. Hope has no substance of its own. So hope is just a picture of where you want to be one day, what you want to possess one day. Hope is just a picture. Faith brings the picture to life. Faith animates it. It puts you in there. So you can say faith provides the vision. Where hope is just a picture, after faith is applied, it becomes a movie. Huh? Everybody likes action more than they like just staring at something. Amen. Let somebody say, I sent you a video. Ooh, I can't wait to get to it. There ain't nothing on there. Not, nothing much. But you got your video and you're happy. Amen. So faith is giving substance. That's the New English translation of things hoped for. We say hope has no substance. Part of that definition also says faith is the warranty deed. It's the warranty deed. Warranty, it's a guarantee and it's in writing. So when you read your Bible and faith comes into your heart for certain things, that's your warranty deed. So you, like people say, you claim it. Amen. When you say stuff like that, it's like you picked that out of thin air and just went shopping and say, that's mine. No, when you read the word of God and you meditate on it and it comes alive in your heart, that's your warranty deed. So you just can't read something one time and say, that's mine. Go shopping in there like, you know, uh, number one kitchen, <laughs> Chinese food, you know, number two kitchen. <laughs> You know, you can't go shopping like that. Faith's for serious people, Father. People, faith comes out of relationship with God, you know, when your faith is applied. So it's giving substance to things hoped for. Amen. 
Hope, we say it in and of itself, has no substance. It has to be made substantial by your faith. Your, your, uh, when you have a warranty deed, that means it belongs to you in every way. Amen. For instance, if you buy a house, you have a deed to that property and which means that it, uh, um, you can do everything that's related to ownership on that property and you have a piece of paper to back that up. Without that piece of paper, you're just there. Amen. You're just visiting. But when your faith is applied, that means you can do everything related to ownership. Amen. You can rejoice in it. You can tell others about it. You can anticipate it. You can make plans for it to come into your life. You can do all of those things because you have a warranty deed on that thing. Amen. So it gives substance to things hoped for. It's a warranty deed. It is also assurance and conviction. In other words, there's a peaceableness about you in that area because you've been assured by your faith. Your faith does all of that. Things that are hoped for are divinely guaranteed. So it can't be something that God is not giving his okay to. And you always get that through his word. You don't get it through looking at what your neighbor has and say, I'm going to get me one of them. You know, even though people do that, if you're going to get heaven involved, it has to be divinely granted to you and divinely guaranteed. Faith gives substance to what's invisible. What you hope for is not you can't see it with your natural eye. So your faith gives substance to the invisible realm. And the things that are, are in the invisible realm. So we have faith being the substantial part of something we hope for. So really in the realm of the spirit, you can say um, there must be a marriage of certain aspects of your future in order for it to come together right. See, like it's pieces. Here's a piece. There's a piece. There has to be some unity within you to pull all of these together. So you can't just say, I've got something by faith and go confessing and naming and claiming. Because there must be a real union and marriage in the realm of the spirit of all of the different parts so that you can have it. Even though, say, for instance, if I wanted a new vehicle, you know, which that ain't me. I don't talk like that. <laughs> Mine's always used. Because uh-huh. I know new comes with cost. I mean, and now God can bless me with it, but my faith ain't over there. My faith is over and getting up every day, feeling good about myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to borrow faith. I borrow my faith off something brand new for, and then I want it paid for. I'm not going to saddle myself with any, not that I don't have some bills to pay. I'm not going to burden myself with things that are unnecessary. And that's one of those things. 
So, and I've had a new house. I've built a new house once in my life. Don't want to do it again. Been there, done that. So I don't get excited about that word, except when God says, I'm going to do something new. I said, bring it on in here. Amen. And so, but that's just me. You can have what you want. Use your faith the way you want to use it. I don't care. But that's not me. But if I say I'm going to get a car, I say new to me car. (laughs) You know, (laughs) amen. And even though I may see a picture of it somewhere, I can trust God to bring me what I want. Now, some people may say that's not faith. You need to you need to put a name on it. You know, go go to a dealership, get a picture. Do I don't need to do all that. Huh? Now, if somebody say a new man in my life, I might say, bring me a picture. I got to see this. <laughs> the credit report, the bangers. Strip that brother down and find out what he got, man. No, but you know what I'm saying. It's just like you got to learn how to trust God with everything. And so that's, that's my point, though. It's the trust factor that sometimes gets us messed up in our faith. We don't trust what God would bring to us without seeing what it looks like, you know, in the natural. And you might find out that God has has got a scrapbook collection of all of your desires already in heaven that he pulls from when it's time when you get a notion to use your faith form, he'll put them into your life. That's what he did with the vehicle I have now. You know, Tony reminded me, he said, that's the same year that the, the car we went to test drive. Many, 12 years ago. Amen. Well, my commitment to God was when my, my, that car I'm driving now, when that one's done, when it stops running, I'll get another one. And so that one was waiting for me, but I didn't get it until 12. That, my car ran for 12 more years before it was time for me to, to get another one. You understand what I'm saying? And so I don't, I don't saddle myself. Why should I weigh myself down with unnecessary burdens to use my faith for stuff that can be heavy lifting for me when I can make it easy on myself and be grateful you know and God always does exceeding abundantly beyond all we can ask or think he always does it amen so I trust him in those things but I'm sure that God has has pictures of stuff that we really desire and he'll flash them back to us at the time we decide to ask for them amen and want them into our lives. He's that faithful and that good to us. Amen. So you need to understand that hope and faith are two different things. But you must hope for something. In order for your faith to be applied to it. So hope is not faith. And it cannot take the place of faith. Hope is from the natural realm. And hope will often reflect what we lack. So hope has, like I would say, a vacuum in it. Hope represents something that we're needful in. We need this thing or we want. Want always points to lack. That word want is is translated lack as well. So hope has this kind of like deflation in it that it needs to be inflated to bring it to life. Like hope is the photograph 
Faith makes it a movie. Huh? Hope represents something that might be lying dormant or dead in our lives. This is why we're so sometimes reluctant to want to believe God for certain things. Because if you've hoped for it for any length of time, it's kind of in the dead letter file in your life. Like you're almost discouraged about it before you even ask God for it. I'm trying to think, trying to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Say a person that's wanted to be married since they were a kid. In the 20s go by. Nobody. 30s, you're in your 30s. 30s go by. You know, by the time that, I'm like, come on God. Like, like Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, this man is, is way up in age. He about to retire as a high priest and he's in the temple and the angel shows up and tells him you're going to be a father you and your wife are going to have a baby and he's like seriously dude that's why his mouth had to be shut before he went out and killed the baby with his words I said That's why sometimes God will will start giving you faith for something in the uh, the, the secret place, in a, a quiet place. He'll start bringing that thing to life gradually for you, little bit by little bit. He'll start to bring hope back alive. Amen. That's why that phrase is out there, keep hope alive, because it can be killed very easily if faith is never applied to it. You know, there'll be people who say, well, I thought my days for this were over. I thought it was too late for me. And that's to show that at one time they did hope. And at one time that hope was active. But time wasn't kind to it. (laughs) Time killed it. But faith brings it back alive again. Amen. Faith will bring life to it every single time. So there's no such thing as hopeless. There's no such thing as it's too late. There's no such thing as the joy that you and really most things are matters of are we going to have joy over this or not? Not so much a matter of getting things or getting something, but it's having the joy. What did Jesus say? He said, I've granted you these things. I've made you this promise that your joy will be full. He said, ask anything and I'll give it to you. Why did I tell you to do that? He says, so your joy could be full. Not so that you could be rich or you could have everything you ever wanted. He says, I know lack makes you joyless. He says, I'm taking the lack out of your life so your joy can be full. See? And just knowing that you can ask anything is a, is a reason to rejoice. Amen? That should give you joy all the time. God, this is in your word. I can ask you anything. There's nothing that's off limits. As long as it's it's legal as far as your word is concerned, I can have anything, anytime, as much of it as pleases me. Huh? And so he gives us these things for this reason. So faith is not solely for the purpose of accumulating things. <laughs> 
faith is given to us so that we would be full of hope. We would be encouraged. We'd be full of God's life. We'd see promise ahead of us. We'd want to go forth in life. We know better days are coming. You know all of that because of the faith of Abraham, our father. In fact, we have a better faith than he had. Amen. But we need to focus on getting his too, you know, because his was pretty powerful. <laughs> so we say hope is not faith. It cannot take the place of faith. Because what we hope for is always something from the natural realm. And it's a reflection of what we lack. So God wants us to come into faith so that we will experience fullness of joy. So that we can know that we know that we know. Once that substance is there for that thing, it's it's all over except the shouting. In fact, you can shout right then and there about it. Amen. Because you have it. That's how you can say you're healed. When you're standing in faith and your body is full of symptoms. Your faith is more real to you than the symptoms that come and go. Amen. We need to live like that. Understand that. You don't have to stay focused on how you feel, whether it's missing, whether it's gone, what happened to it. Is it here today? Is it gone tomorrow? You can live in, I've got it. See, once you live in, I've got it long enough, the rest, what's opposing it has no consequence to you. Can't stand against it. Just bounces off from your shield of faith. Amen. It's like, you know, when symptoms come, come into your body, your faith puts up a shield. It's like that pain like bounces off of your faith and hits, whoa, what was that? Amen. Can't penetrate. Doesn't have the impact it used to have. You ask anybody who's standing for God for, for anything, a ill, you know, illness or anything, if, if they are not, uh, feeling better, you know, they couldn't get up every day if they had an increased pain of face every day. They get up every day because their faith is telling them tomorrow it's better. Tomorrow is the day. Today is the day for your miracle. The faith is always telling you something. Amen. Faith, um, uh, faith becomes activated where the will of God is known. Amen. It's activated where the will of God is known. So you can say hope is the future, but faith is now. Hope is future faith is now so the two of them have to be married together before you can have reality faith and hope must be married together in order for us to have reality faith comes alive through works amen so what 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 causes faith and hope to be married? So, for instance, if you're you're experiencing physical symptoms, you hope for total health. But once you apply faith to it, faith marries hope. So your faith then be, begins to give assurance and substance. To what you hope for. 
to the degree that you can say you have received it already. So you've received your healing already by the application of your faith to that picture of you either walking without pain, uh, sleeping all night long, getting rid of, of troublesome, worrisome symptoms. Amen. Uh, whatever it is. Amen. With some people, it's not having any more seizures. Uh, some people not having asthmatic attacks or whatever it is. With some people, it's not having nightmares and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, whatever it is that that is troubling you. Once you apply your faith to the fact that by your stripes, by his stripes, you are healed. Once you start to believe that, then you have received that healing. Amen. Because faith and hope are now married together. And you have the substance of that health. What is substance? It's reality. Amen. You've received it as real in the realm of the spirit. Once you receive something as real in the realm of the spirit, it's just a matter of time before it shows up on your door. Huh? It's on the way. Amen. And sometimes it'll materialize in some form immediately. Like for instance, if you're if one of your symptoms is pain, and you might have been in pain what you thought was constantly. Once you start to once you believe you've received it, Father, I just receive my healing by faith. I receive all these symptoms are gone. In the name of Jesus, you paid for this, Jesus. Calvary was a total work. And I receive that. Amen. That substance comes into you, get assured. You know how you know you're assured? They offer you surgery to fix it. And you never get it. Why don't you ever get it? It's off the table already. You got it already. They can't give you more than what you got by faith. I'm going to say it again. See, you refuse the surgery because they can't give you more than what you have by faith. Surgery is for people that don't have it. You got it already. And that it you your it's more real to you in faith than it is by going in the natural and getting somebody to get something done. You got me? It's more real to you. It's like Ernest Angeli, reporters use they don't come and mess with him no more. They mess with him once. And they question him. Oh, if people say you talk about heaven all the time. Uh, you've been to heaven. He said, man, heaven is more real to me than you are. Then people threw their cameras down and they notepads down and shot out of that office. They didn't have no more to ask him and don't bug him about his experiences. Amen. But this is where God wants us to live in the realm where heaven is more real to us than what's going on in the natural. Where your health is more real to you than your symptoms. Amen. Even though you've been living in the troubling symptoms for a while now. Your health is more real to you now than symptoms are. Amen. 
I was thinking about it and, and I was listening to a, a healing minister who was telling people that uh, when they would come into the meetings, and I think this is where we, we learn. You know, we got to learn and we got to grow continually in the supernatural things of God. And he said that he he began to be because he operates by the word of knowledge. When God gives him a word of knowledge about something, he constantly tells people, he said, I didn't make this up. God told me to call this out. When he says when God says call it out, it means it's a done deal. It's not like I'm calling you out so you can wish you had it. I'm calling you out because if you'll believe me, you got it. You got me? And he said, if, for instance, the the onset of a symptom can make us think we have a disease, why can't the absence of a symptom mean that our healing is in progress? Why can't you receive? Because we're supposed to by faith. It's supposed to work that way. And so he's been able to help people to get a healing that stays by getting them to understand God gave you a fragment of it for a down payment. It's real. Amen. And the rest is on the way. If you stay with that, the rest is on the way. Amen. And so once we learn how to take that seed and count it as the same thing, if somebody, if you planted tomatoes in your yard, you expect them to come up. If God took a symptom away from you even for a minute or half a day, you've got to accept that my healing is, is here. And just continue to thank him for that. And meditate on the fact that it's done already. And watch that seed grow. Amen. You're watching growth take, take place in us because of what our faith can do. So faith, feeding your faith continues to cause these promises to grow in us. You don't get angry and frustrated because it didn't show up already. You thank God that it's on the way. God, you gave me that seed of it. You gave me that portion of it. I have that portion. And I have that substance of it right now. And by faith, it's growing. I believe it's growing. I'm more healed today than I was yesterday. I'm more complete today than I was yesterday. I'm getting stronger, not weaker. I'm getting um, more improved and my faith is growing. It's getting stronger in me. It's not weaker. Amen. My faith can never be depleted because you're the author and the finisher of it. It's not my faith anyway. I'm borrowing faith off of you. Amen. As long as you put faith in God's word, that faith is invested in God's kingdom. You pull it out and you put it in the natural. It's invested in the perishing world that we live in. So take it out of that and put it right back in God again. You can do that with your faith. Amen. You you believe in whatever you make up your mind to believe in. And make up your mind to leave it over in God. Say, Holy Spirit, remind me when I start putting my faith in the natural or saying it won't happen. Or being worried about something. Remind me to put it back over in you again. I tell people all the time. Your problem isn't that you need money. You need to put your faith in God's money. You'll never have enough for everything you want. Put your confidence in God's bank account. You don't lack anything. And put your faith in him and leave it there. 
quit moving it around like a chess piece based on how you feel today. I don't feel so healed, so I'm going to put faith in sickness. Huh? Keep it over and where it belongs. Keep your faith in God. You find yourself wavering, just cry, God, please forgive me. I done done it again. My mind wanders so quickly. Help me to keep my mind focused on you. Keep your mind stayed on him. He's the author and completer. He knows what he's doing with your faith. You don't. We have no clue what we're doing. But he trusts us with these supernatural heavenly things anyway. It's how much he loves us. He's our backup and our support. Amen. He got us. Amen. <laughs> huh? We don't know how to experience these things. Thank God he's the Holy Spirit is there to help us. He's our our helper. Our standby, our strong standby. God knows what he's doing with your faith. We want to keep our faith in the in the kiddie pool all the time. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. He said, launch out into the deep. God says, I don't have no kiddie pool for you to play in anyway. I'm only deep. Amen. Before the disciples knew him well. He told him, get off. He said, I don't care what you've been doing all night. Go out into the deep water. He said, get out of this shallow pool. You're going to catch nothing worth catching here. When they got out there, he told them first, he told them to, to, to go, and they had two boats. They took one. They found out they needed the second boat anyway. Amen. He didn't chase them because of their little faith. He just showed him what he could do. He said, next time, do what I tell you to do. Bring two. Huh? And make sure they're good and empty. When they the net's broken, they had to call a second boat anyway. He said, you, had to, you ordered two boatloads, didn't you? They took bo- two boats and had two boats out there all night long. When Jesus shows up, they give him credit for one. He said, no, do what you want. If, if I can, if you can have that much faith on your own power, think how much I can give you if you use mine. What did Peter say? The minute he showed up, the stuff, it, Peter said, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He, he confessed his unbelief. He said, I didn't believe you enough for what you wanted to do for me. I believed you for too little. Nevertheless, at your word. In other words, are you getting second best here? Well, I don't really believe you now, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to amuse you. Jesus said, yeah, I'm getting the last laugh. I'm amusing you, Peter. Two boats full. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right, why don't we do our confession? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. Thank you, Father, by the stripes of your precious son, Jesus. We love him with all of our hearts, and we thank you, Lord, 
that we are healed. Amen, amen, amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. 